Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean O' Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. It's May, y'all, so that means that one of my favorite holidays is coming up soon. Yep, I've been chatting about it the last few episodes, trying to help you throw out some hints to your husband, your boo, your baby daddy, your significant other. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's the national holiday of Mother's Day. (laughs) And just as a little reminder that if you've listened, you've you've heard this before, but if you've carried a life or cared for a life as your own, then you need to be celebrated that day with no exception. So this is all encompassing. This is your day. And if you're solo, don't wait for somebody to celebrate you. Celebrate yourself. We don't do that enough. So book your own mani-pedi, book your own spa day, have a staycation or even, you know, take a vacation. This year, let's make celebrating ourselves a top priority. Well, in addition to one of the best holidays in the world uh, coming up this month being Mother's Day, this month is also Preeclampsia Awareness Month. Now, I know I've talked about preeclampsia during season one and even have a throwback YouTube episode or two about it, but I don't think that we talk about it enough, okay, or the complications that can arise because of it. Therefore, I felt like on this episode, since we're in the month to acknowledge it, I felt we will talk about preeclampsia, but not just preeclampsia. We're going to specifically talk about HELP syndrome. Okay. So I know some of my medical colleagues listen to this show. So I want to clarify the elephant in the room for us. Some of us believe that HELP syndrome which is hemolysis elevated liver enzymes, low platelet syndrome, which I'll talk about in a second. Some of us believe that this syndrome is a completely separate disease process than preeclampsia, whereas the others believe that HELP syndrome is a severe progressive complication of preeclampsia. Now, I believe and was taught the latter, but understand that some people believe that they are, you know, starkly different. But one thing that everyone agrees on is the management of HELP syndrome. So let's not split hairs here, okay? We'll just talk about HELP syndrome in general and then how it's diagnosed, treated, and managed. So for background, preeclampsia is a multi-system progressive disorder, okay, characterized by high blood pressure that you didn't have before and protein in your urine. Now, it can be diagnosed without protein in the urine if there's other evidence of abnormalities such as elevated liver enzymes or abnormal liver function 
or new diagnosis of abnormal kidney function. Now, mind you, some people can have what's called superimposed preeclampsia if they do already have a history of high blood pressure diagnosed early in pregnancy or even before pregnancy, and now they've developed more protein in their urine or they're symptomatic or the blood pressure has become unresponsive to the medicines that is used to treat high blood pressure, okay? But in a nutshell, preeclampsia, high blood pressure, plus protein in your urine. Those two things makes the diagnosis. Now, there's nothing anybody did to cause preeclampsia. So it's caused by hormones secreted from the placenta. That can cause damage of your vessels, okay? So when the placenta is removed, this decreases the circulating hormone, thus decreasing ongoing damage to the vessels. However, it doesn't completely remove the risk until the hormones are gone, which doesn't happen until about six weeks after delivery. So what does this mean? This means that you can get preeclampsia anytime during the pregnancy after the 20th week, meaning when the placenta is fully functional, or up to six weeks after delivery, okay? You can still get preeclampsia in the postpartum period, even with the placenta being out because those hormones are still circulating up to six weeks after delivery, okay? Six weeks postpartum course. Now, HELP syndrome, which is hemolysis, elevated liver enzymes, low platelet syndrome, probably represents a severe form of preeclampsia. So in my perspective, it does. But like I said before, this relationship is controversial. Health syndrome may be an independent disorder. We don't really know, but we do know that as many as 15 to 20% of affected people don't have high blood pressure or protein in the urine at the time of diagnosis, which is what leads some people to suggest that, hey, this is a different process going on here. But all people with health syndrome, honestly, do eventually have issues with blood pressure, okay? Which is why the other people say, no, 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 it's on the spectrum. Can't get one without the other. Worldwide, 10 to 15% of direct deaths among mommies, meaning the deaths that are associated with complications of pregnancy are due to either preeclampsia, eclampsia, or something on the spectrum like HELP syndrome. Now, a past history of preeclampsia increases your risk of developing preeclampsia in another pregnancy with a seven-fold risk compared to women without a history of preeclampsia. Now, specifically, HELP syndrome, risk factors for HELP syndrome, guess what? They're the same exact as the risk factor for preeclampsia because the disease process, the underlying disease process works a little a little bit the same way. Okay, so those with risk factors for preeclampsia and HELP syndrome include those who already have a history of high blood pressure outside of pregnancy, people that are over age 34, meaning their advanced maternal age for one baby or 33 or older if you're having twins, 29 or older if you're having triplets and so on. So advanced maternal age, if you have underlying renal disease for any reason, meaning you've had chronic kidney disease because of ongoing high blood pressure, you have lupus nephritis um, that affects your kidneys, anything that has renal disease, uh, anyone that has renal disease does have an increased risk of having HELP syndrome and preeclampsia. It being the first pregnancy is a risk factor for HELP syndrome and preeclampsia. 
If you have a family history of preeclampsia, that increases your risk of getting preeclampsia. If you have more than one baby that you're pregnant with, meaning twins, triplets, quads, the more babies you have, the higher your risk is because the more hormones you have circulating through your body. Antiphospholipid antibodies. So we've talked about this before. When we look at antiphospholipid antibodies, they are, you know, lupus anticoagulant, beta 2 glycoprotein, and anticardiolipin. You don't have to remember those. Those are just three antibodies that cause a syndrome called antiphospholipid antibody syndrome. Go back and listen to my episode on that. But that puts people at an increased risk for getting preeclampsia because of those hormones and those antibodies that are circulating and can put you at increased risk for other things happening like a small baby and even stillbirth as well. But in this episode, for this episode's purposes, it's a risk factor for developing health syndrome. And of course, if you have any autoimmune condition, okay, we already mentioned lupus nephritis, but lupus in general, even without uh, lupus nephritis, which is when lupus affects the kidney function, okay, can put you at increased risk for preeclampsia and health syndrome. So we're talking about people that have rheumatoid arthritis, people that have um, hypothyroidism or thyroid disease, all those people, people that have fibromyalgia, all these people that have autoimmune conditions can are at increased risk for health syndrome. And then of course, if you're obese and your BMI is over 26.1, okay, specifically over 26.1, they don't even wait till you get 27, but over 26.1, that is a risk factor for developing health syndrome. Now, there is no treatment for preeclampsia or health syndrome. The best option is to get the placenta out. So we used to say the treatment is delivery, but now we know that there are a lot of people that get health syndrome and preeclampsia in the postpartum picture. So we know that it helps to get the placenta out because that starts to decrease the hormones that cause issues with your placenta and the function of your placenta. Now, that means that you could, if you develop health syndrome, have to be delivered early to get rid of the placenta to stop any ongoing complications. Now, unlike with preeclampsia, where patients can be conservatively managed or meaning they can be put in the hospital and we can try to put blood pressure medicine on them to maintain their blood pressures and try to get them further into the pregnancy, we cannot do that with health syndrome. Nope, it's a no-no. So a diagnosis of health syndrome in general means move towards delivery. Why, right? So further complications of health syndrome can be really, really serious. The biggest thing we worried about is what's called disseminated intravascular coagulopathy. Coagulopathy, that's a mouthful. Or let's just abbreviate it as DIC. That's when you have bleeding complications where your platelets no longer work. And so you can just bleed and bleed and bleed and bleed. People that develop health syndrome have up to a 30% risk of developing DIC, which can cause uncontrollable bleeding, which can be life-threatening. So we don't want that to happen. It can also lead to issues with your kidneys, which means you may need dialysis. You can develop eclampsia, which is a seizure because of all these hormones secreted from the placenta. You can need a prolonged hospital stay. You can even have a stillbirth or you can lose your own life with help syndrome if it goes unrecognized and untreated with delivery. The risk is much higher than with preeclampsia. So preeclampsia, we try to conservatively manage you until you show signs of developing help syndrome or other complications or until you get to the gestational age that we need to deliver you at. But not with help syndrome, y'all. You have no choice but to move to delivery 
for the safety of both mom and the baby. Aspirin at a low dose has been shown to reduce the risk of preeclampsia significantly. Therefore, anybody that has any of those risk factors that I named earlier should be started on aspirin at 12 weeks and you continue it once a day until 36 weeks. That helps significantly reduce your risk of preeclampsia with this pregnancy if we do start it early around 12 weeks, but no later than 16 weeks. Okay, so now that we know a little bit more about HELP syndrome, let's go to some cases and questions. Our first case is a 21-year-old who is 16 weeks pregnant with her second child. She had her first child two years ago and had preeclampsia requiring delivery at 33 weeks. During that pregnancy, her baby was small and she had issues with her platelets being low, leading to heavy bleeding at the time of delivery. She presents for consultation and advice for management of this pregnancy. So it sounds like a couple things could have happened. One, it does sound like you have preeclampsia. That's why you delivered. The baby was small, which can be a precursor to preeclampsia. So babies are small because of various reasons. But one of the reasons that we um, monitor babies for is if the placenta is not functioning correctly. Remember the placenta is the afterbirth. It's what gives the baby nutrients and oxygen. So babies don't breathe in like you and I. Babies are not eating food through their mouth. They're getting all of their oxygen and nutrients through the umbilical cord, which carries blood from the placenta to the baby. And so uh, if your baby was small, it could have meant that that was because the placenta was abnormal, which then is, is in alignment with you having a diagnosis of preeclampsia. Now, you said your platelets were low and you had heavy vaginal bleeding at the time of delivery. To me, that means that you might have had HELP syndrome. You could have had incomplete HELP syndrome, meaning you met criteria for preeclampsia, plus you had low platelets, but didn't have abnormal liver enzymes. So you didn't quite meet criteria for full HELP syndrome, but did have the low platelets. So you could have had incomplete HELP syndrome, or you could have had what's called a placental abruption. People with preeclampsia do have a higher risk of placental abruption. Remember, placental abruption is when the placenta tries to separate from the inside wall of the uterus before the baby is born. People that have placental abruptions have a lot of pain and vaginal bleeding. So when you touch your belly, you're rolling around, you have excruciating pain in addition to vaginal bleeding. So a placental abruption by itself can make your platelets low. Or you could have had HELP syndrome. I'm not really sure which one this, that you had because I am not privy to your past chart. But erring on the side of caution, I would assume that you had low platelets because of HELP syndrome. If you weren't abrupting, that heavy bleeding could have been that you had early signs of disseminated intravascular coagulopathy, which is DIC, remember, which is when you consume all of your platelets or a lot of them. And you just bleed and bleed and bleed. So you deliver and then they have issues controlling the bleeding. So I want to know when did the bleeding start, what your platelet count was at the time of delivery and when the bleeding started, and if you had any other lab abnormalities that developed. So that would tell me if you had preeclampsia with HELP syndrome or if you had preeclampsia that caused you to have a placental abruption or the shearing away of the placenta from the wall of the uterus. So without knowing that, I would err on the side of the most serious complication, and that will be HELP syndrome. And for this pregnancy, we want to follow you very closely. Right now, you're 16 weeks. 
I would bring you back around 20 weeks to do a detailed ultrasound to look at the baby from head to toe. And that's because you have a history of having a smaller baby. After that, you need ultrasounds to evaluate the growth of the baby about once a month just to make sure we're still on target there. You do need aspirin to reduce your risk of preeclampsia and HELP syndrome. And you should start this now if you haven't already because you're already 16 weeks and the most optimal time to start aspirin would be between 12 and 16 weeks. So now that we're 16 weeks, I would go ahead and start it. Now, if you're listening to the podcast and you're like, oh my God, I'm 20 weeks and I'm not on aspirin, but I have those risk factors she named um, before, you can still start aspirin. It has some benefit up to 26 weeks. I would just ask that you talk to your provider to make sure you are a good candidate for aspirin therapy to reduce your risk of preeclampsia because I don't want you to have issues already with bleeding or your platelets or you may have a collection of blood in the uterus that we don't know about. So always let your provider know before you start aspirin that you you are starting aspirin or ask them specifically should you start aspirin um, if you have not been on it and you know you have risk factors for preeclampsia. Let me go back for a second and just make sure people remember being of African-American descent is now an independent risk factor for preeclampsia. Even if you are thin and healthy, if you are black, you need to be on aspirin to try to reduce your risk of preeclampsia this pregnancy. That is new and that is what should be done, okay? African-American, independent risk factor, start aspirin to reduce your risk of preeclampsia, but make sure you talk to your provider first, okay? So in addition to the aspirin, in addition to the detailed ultrasound, in addition to us following the growth of the baby once a month, if you end up with a small baby, then we would need to do testing, meaning look at the breathing, the movement, the tone, the fluid around the baby once a week after the 32nd week or at the time of diagnosis of the baby being small, okay, whichever comes first. We want to monitor you. Some people may ask, well, why is the baby small? with people with HELP syndrome, it's for the same reason that babies are small with preeclampsia is because those hormones from the placenta cause both of those syndromes, y'all. Even if you don't think they're on the, the, the same condition, but more severe being HELP syndrome, we know that HELP syndrome is caused by the placenta as well. So that's why the baby can be small as well. Let's recap my plan before we get to the case, Pearl. And that would be to bring you back at 20 weeks to do an ultrasound to look at the anatomy of the baby from head to toe. Then after that, you'd be seen every four weeks to evaluate the growth. If the growth of the baby became smaller, then you need to be seen every week for close monitoring to make sure that the baby's breathing, movement, and fluid are completely normal. That is called a biophysical profile. That being normal tells us that the baby has less than a one in 4,000 chance of stillbirth and that's why we do them, okay? And remember, you definitely want to start aspirin this pregnancy to reduce your risk of preeclampsia and health syndrome, which is the case pearl. And it is. Aspirin taking from 12 to 36 weeks is recommended to reduce your risk of preeclampsia and health syndrome. Now, the latest data now recommends two low-dose aspirins, so 162 milligrams once a day until 36 weeks. And we know that that has up to a 30% reduction in preeclampsia if you do start it between 12 and 16 weeks. All right, medical intern, what's our second case? Our second case is a 41-year-old who is two weeks postpartum from a C-section 
which she had because her cervix stopped dilating. She presents with a headache and yellowing of her eyes. She has also passed several clots and has heavier vaginal bleeding than she did when she was in the hospital. Her blood pressure was high, so she was started on Procardia XL in the ER yesterday and sent home. You were consulted as an outpatient for further management. This is like a pet peeve of mine, and that is whenever somebody is seen in the in the ER for a complaint, okay, you're two weeks postpartum, even if you were seen in the ER and they thought you were stable enough to go home, this is when we have to advocate for ourselves. A lot of our ER doctors, we love them, but they don't always consult or get your OBGYN involved. They try to handle things on their own because they're used to triaging, right? Triage, who's stable to go home, who's not. Her blood pressure is a little bit elevated, but it's not stroke range, so I'm going to get sent her home. Pregnancy is the exception to this rule. If you are within six weeks of delivering and you have to go to the ER, one, pick the phone up and call your OBGYN, let them know what's going on. Two, when you get to the ER, if they are not consulting OB, ask for an OBGYN consult. Say, hey, I delivered two weeks ago. Is it okay? Can I please see my OBGYN to make sure I'm okay? Okay. Because people will chalk this stuff up to things that are common outside of pregnancy, forgetting the symptoms in pregnancy. So I'm looking at this two weeks postpartum from a C-section. You're 41. The fact that your postpartum is a risk factor for preeclampsia or HELP syndrome. You're over age 40. Okay. That's advanced maternal age over age 40. That's a risk factor by itself. You have a headache. So now you have symptoms of preeclampsia. You have yelling of your eyes. You have symptoms of liver disease. And your blood pressure is high, okay? Symptom of preeclampsia and health syndrome. Now, we should never be starting medicine in the ER and sending a postpartum person home without seeing their OBGYN. These patients need careful attention because this is screaming health syndrome to me until we have labs done to prove otherwise. The labs that you need done are complete blood count. We need to look at your platelet count to make sure it's not too low. We need to look at your liver enzymes to make sure that it's not too high, especially with yellowing of your eyes. That's called jaundice, okay? That shows evidence of liver damage, jaundice, that yellowing of the eyes. And then you have symptoms of health syndrome and preeclampsia with the headache, okay? So for me, you have health syndrome and to prove it otherwise. So we have to monitor you very closely. You should be admitted and put on labor and delivery. And then we start magnesium. Why? What does magnesium do, Right. It helps reduce the um, it helps reduce your risk of seizures. Okay, it's going to block seizure-like activity. So we need to make sure you're on that magnesium so you don't develop eclampsia. So preeclampsia, pre meaning before eclampsia, is when you get a seizure in pregnancy due to hormones secreted from the placenta. Okay, so you need to be started on magnesium because of that, and you can't get that at home. You need to be started on IV magnesium. And then the next thing I would do is monitor your blood pressures, check your liver enzymes, check your kidney function and see where they are. Sometimes we may need to consult one of our specialists, our other, you know, GI or gastroenterology specialists. If your liver enzymes are are trending up, sometimes we may need to consult a hematologist, a blood doctor, if your platelet count is too low. So we need to make sure that we're monitoring everything really closely, doing these labs 
periodically. And with somebody, if you do have help syndrome, then we're checking your labs every eight hours because you have such a high risk for getting DIC or disseminated intravascular coagulopathy, which is where you have used all your platelets and you just bleed and bleed and bleed and bleed. You have a high risk of that. So I want to make sure you don't have that. So we need to monitor you in the hospital because of that, which is the case Pearl. In cases of postpartum preeclampsia, which it seems like this patient has, readmission is always recommended. And furthermore, with her symptoms, she probably does have HELP syndrome. So we need to do labs for further evaluation as well. All right, medical intern, do we have any email questions or cases? Yes, this one says, Dr. Plenty, I had HELP syndrome with my last pregnancy and delivered at 36 weeks. Now I'm 18 weeks pregnant. My high-risk specialist recommends that I take a low-dose aspirin this pregnancy, but I'm concerned because HELP syndrome made my platelets lower. Wouldn't taking aspirin this pregnancy actually increase my risk of bleeding? Aspirin, the low-dose aspirin works on a completely different mechanism than their high-dose headache medicine. Now, I know that anesthesia wants you to stop aspirin around 36 weeks, and that's because at 37 weeks, you're full term, and we want the aspirin off for about a week before you get an epidural, if you were to get an epidural, um, because there's a small risk if you have bleeding in the spinal cord, it can cause some issues, but that is extremely rare. HELP syndrome itself causes you have low platelets, not the aspirin. And so the goal is to prevent you from getting HELP syndrome this pregnancy. We know that you have a seven-fold increased risk of getting HELP syndrome. I mean, preeclampsia, that can progress to HELP syndrome with each subsequent pregnancy. So that aspirin, taking it this early, taking it between 12 and 16 weeks if we started, um, it does reduce your risk of preeclampsia significantly. And now we know that the two low-dose aspirins, 162 milligrams, actually decrease your risk of up to 30%. So we definitely want to start it. It would not increase your risk of bleeding. Developing HELP syndrome increases your risk of bleeding. So we want to do something now to stop you from developing HELP syndrome later. And that will greatly make your platelets more stable if you don't have HELP syndrome. So that's a very good question. A lot of people think about like, oh, I had bleeding. I had heavy bleeding at the time of delivery. Maybe I shouldn't start aspirin. No, no, no. That's a no-no. You need to start aspirin because we need to negate or reduce that risk of preeclampsia with each pregnancy. And aspirin, honestly, you guys, is the only thing we have that has any risk reduction. We used to think that giving people vitamin D would help. It doesn't. Giving people vitamin E supplements. Nope. Giving people vitamin C supplements. Nope. Aspirin is the only thing that's been consistently shown to decrease the risk of getting preeclampsia, which can progress to health syndrome this pregnancy. So if you end up having any bleeding this pregnancy, then we usually hold aspirin for a short spell before resuming the aspirin. But it's not a reason if you're not bleeding right now, not a reason not to start aspirin today to help reduce your risk of preeclampsia. All right, medical intern, do we have any more cases or questions? And she's shaking her head no. So thanks so much, you guys, for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast. I hope you learned a little bit more about HELP Syndrome this episode. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to share with your friends, rate, and comment. And if you didn't enjoy the show, you can text me or send me some feedback to help me improve, but don't you rate or comment. 
If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. You can also feel free to catch up on the YouTube channel for more quick talks about pregnancy complication. Check out the website, drnicoleplenty.com for free pregnancy downloadables. And for goodness sake, catch up on the podcast. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.